Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Odyssey's I'm Listening. I'm David O'Leary. I'm Listening is our commitment to inspire more conversations about mental health. Talk really does have the power to save lives. June is Pride Month, and today we're talking with Nicholas Turton from The Trevor Project, founded in 1998. The Trevor Project is a nonprofit focused on suicide prevention efforts among lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning youth. They offer a toll-free telephone number where confidential assistance is available and provided by trained counselors, along with a ton of other resources. Nicholas, great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me, David. It's great to be here. You know, the Trevor Project does the survey every year, has for for many years, and the two 2023 version of it, the U.S. National Survey on the Mental Health of LGBTQ Young People has been recently released. This is an annual survey of about 28,000 LGBTQ youth across the U.S. Can you talk a little bit about some of the takeaways from the most recent edition of this survey? Our 2023 U.S. National Survey, which, as you mentioned, represents the experiences of over 28,000 LGBTQ young people ages 13 to 24 across the U.S. This is our fifth annual survey, and for the fifth consecutive year, the data we found really underscore that anti-LGBTQ victimization really contributes to the higher rates of elevated suicide risks reported by LGBTQ young people. Mm. And we also found that a lot of young people who wanted access to mental health care are unable to get it. So as an organization, um, you know, this is something that we're really concerned about and continue to work toward addressing. LGBTQ youth, they're not necessarily inherently prone to suicide risk because mm-hmm. they are LGBTQ youth or or because of their gender identity or sexual orientation, but rather because of how they are stigmatized in society because of some of these other obstacles and so forth that they have to uh, contend with kind of on a, on a daily basis. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. And you're exactly right, David. It's not anything inherently prone to who they are as their identity with their identities as being LGBTQ young people, but exactly right as sort of how they are confronted and faced with different challenges of being victimized, being discriminated against or stigmatized because of different things that we're seeing in society. So um, the top line I do want to share is, you know, we did find that 41% of LGBTQ young people seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year. Mm. And then for young people who identify as transgender, non-binary, and or people of color, 
reported higher rates than their peers as well. So um, there are disparities within our own community as well. And so um, I think what's really important is our data is also very intersectional and allows us to understand where the disparities are even within our own community. You know, we've learned so much about suicide uh, warning signs and prevention, yet we have these markedly higher rates in the LBGTQ community and, and have for, for some time, as you noted, especially in certain age groups and, and genders. Obviously, our own mental health as humans, it's impacted and compounded by so many variables and factors within our own experiences. And so for LGBTQ young people, um, particularly, you know, thinking about being the, a young person, you know, we're seeing a lot of news these days and what a lot of experts are saying, we're being faced with a youth mental health crisis that has been exacerbated by the, the COVID-19 pan- pandemic. And so, one, that's kind of where we're seeing right now, just like an ongoing youth mental health crisis. Mm. Then, particularly for the young people that we serve at the Trevor Project, thinking about layering that on, on top of that with um, being an LGBTQ young person and in America today, there is a lot of stigmatization. There is a lot of discrimination that we're seeing across the country, particularly in the form of different types of rhetoric. And then now even really tangibly, a lot of legislation that specifically targets um, LGBTQ identities. Specifically, mm-hmm. I want to ask about access to care, because that's kind of problematic for all of us. Even if you have insurance or you have resources, sometimes funding just healthcare in general, but certainly mental health care can be really, really difficult. It can be especially difficult for those in the LGBTQ community, especially youth. Can you talk a little bit about why that might be? What's really fascinating is when we're doing our national survey, we also ask young people, you know, for those who wanted access to mental health care, but were unable to get it, what were the reasons why? And so actually on our survey site, um, we have the top 10 reasons why young people who wanted this access to mental health care weren't able to get it. And so the top reasons were um, actually, I feel like all relate to the sort of overarching theme of sort of stigma around mental health. And so mm-hmm. 47% of LGBTQ young people who wanted health care but couldn't were afraid to talk about their mental health concerns with someone else. And then 40% said they didn't want to have to get permission from their parents or caregivers, possibly because they didn't want to have to bring that up or didn't know how to ask for for that support. And then another 40% said they're afraid they wouldn't be taken seriously. So these all kind of relate to having the sort of fear or the stigma of mental health, um, you know, impact their access to care. I'd be reluctant to draw too many parallels between... um you know, rates of how we talk about mental health and how we talk about suicide in recent years versus how we talk about those in the LBGTQ community in recent years. But as a, as a sweeping generalization, which I hate doing, but I'll say it anyway, it seems like we're able to talk about our mental health and about suicide a little more easily today than maybe take five, 10 years ago, whatever. And it seems the same thing might be said of talking about issues surrounding those in the LBGTQ com- community. You know, we have TV shows, we have movies that make it sort of okay to talk about this in a way that we weren't able to just a few years ago. Would you agree with that? And is that making it easier for uh, those in the in the community to, to access care and to talk about their mental health? 
You're definitely right. We're seeing so much more representation and、mm-hmm. visibility of LGBTQ identities and within our communities across a variety of different spheres of society. You know, you pointed to things like maybe media, film, TV, and even some,、uh, even politically, we're seeing、um, so many. Candidates and folks who are elected officials who are part of the community. So I definitely know that visibility and representation—it's having a positive impact, and you know, it's definitely a stride toward progress for thinking about the rights and sort of the affirmation of our communities. But that also that visibility really needs to be paired with more tangible things, sort of like systemic investment in mental health care that's competent, culturally competent mental health care for our young people, as well as making sure that policies and legislation are being supportive of our communities as well. Yes, legislation. Can, can you talk a little bit about、um, recent proposals, passages of of anti? LGBTQ bills and legislation. I, I saw a thing from the White House yesterday, and I'm, I I want to say I'm exaggerating this number, but I may be lowballing it. That there was a number four hundred filed in a single day, many directed at kids. Talking about bills and legislation, anti-LGBTQ bills and legislation. Talk a little bit about what that does,、uh, how that's sort of part of the problem here. At the Trevor Project, our advocacy team has been tracking and following really closely. To the bills and proposals being introduced, and as of right now, we are tracking over 600 plus anti-LGBTQ bills that have been introduced in 2023 alone. That in itself is record-breaking, and you know, expanding on sort of an already growing number of anti-LGBTQ bills that we saw last year. So it continues to break records each year. And this year in 2023, a majority of those bills and policies they specifically target transgender and non-binary young people, and they particularly target them in almost every sphere of their life, whether it's in getting access to healthcare,、um, being able to identify、um, uh, for who they、uh, are in schools,、um, and then even being able to. T- Um, prohibiting access to simple things that you know we all view as just simple luxuries is like being able to access a bathroom, and so there's a lot of things that are bring,、uh, we find very concerning. And you know, recent policy and legislation that we've seen,、um, there's a lot of outcry that we've seen in places like Florida recently, where they expanded. Curriculum censorship bills that we call within the movement as "Don't Say Gay" bills, basically prohibiting any conversations of sexual orientation or gender identity, expanding it all the way from K all the way to twelfth grade. Which those policies they're really vague and create these chilling effects because you know if you're not able to talk about LGBTQ identities in curriculum and In, in classroom discussions, does that mean I can also can I talk about my own identity as being queer or gay, or even a, a teacher being able to share personal like their own lives as a maybe a part of the community and being there to support a young student who might be navigating or struggling with their own identity? So、um, there's a lot of things that we're seeing happening in across the country, and. I also want to follow up with that. That how that's impacting the mental health of our young people. Our latest survey has found that nearly one in three LGBTQ young people said that their mental health was poor most of the time, or always, due to anti-LGBTQ policies and legislation. And when you pair that with some of the anecdotes that we're hearing from our twenty-four-seven 
crisis line are crisis counselors who are speaking or chatting or texting with young people who are experiencing mental health challenges. These um, debates about their own identities, about their own existence, and what they are or aren't able to do in school or in public spaces, these types of policies and legislation are making the ways and young people are raising them um, on, our, on our crisis calls as well. We are hearing those, those anecdotes being had. And so I think a lot of people assume that young people don't pay attention to politics, but when they are becoming the wedge issue of um, the current political climate, they have no other choice in many ways than to pay attention. And the young people are watching, they are listening and hearing these debates and as having a really detrimental impact on their mental health. Nicholas, I, I want to sort of wrap up in the few minutes we have left on sort of a hopeful and, a, and an optimistic and a, and a positive note. One of the things that Trevor Project offers a number of ways for resources and ways for people to connect and also to recognize signs uh, to, to perhaps reach out to or help someone who may be struggling in terms of suicide prevention or, or, or warning signs. Talk a little bit about some of those resources that the Trevor Project makes available. There is so much hope and a lot of optimism to be yeah. had. When we think about being able to be connected and to have resources available, you know, the Trevor Project, we obviously do provide our 24-7 crisis services where young people who are facing challenges or having a really difficult time can reach out to one of our trained counselors. And so, you know, we just point people to go to the trevorproject.org slash get help, and you can find all the different ways to connect with us via phone, lifeline, text, or chat. But also on our website, um, for young people who just want to learn more, we have a wide variety of number of different digital resources to help both young people and the people who support young people in their lives. You know, we have a our own coming out guide, which, you know, if you are a young person struggling with navigating with your identity, you know, the coming out guide allows you to sort of better understand, you know, what a coming out process could look like for you and how to do it in a way that may, is best for your own safety. We also have our own guides for, you know, being a guy, uh, being an ally to transgender and non-binary young people, um, for uh, caregivers, for parents, for teachers, um, for coaches or counselors who might be working with trans young people and, and are looking to get um, better educated about trans identities and what it means to support those young people. We have guides for that as well. Nice. I'd love to end on a positive note because, you know, I think a lot of people might be struggling to think, you know, there's so much going on, you know, both, you know, at the national level, um, maybe you're living in a state where you're seeing a lot of this anti-LGBTQ legislation. And we definitely encourage people to be advocates if they're willing to, to do so. But I also want to just end off that, you know, we all can take a simple step uh, toward helping, you know, building a better and more affirming world for all LGBTQ young people, because our research shows, you know, at the Trevor Project that having at least one accepting adult in the life of an LGBTQ young person can reduce the risk of attempting suicide by up to 40%. Mm. And so my message to anyone listening is, you know, if you have a young person in your life, um, just be there, be there, listen, offer support, and just be there. And I think, you know, that's such a simple thing to do, but it can have such a profound impact on the young people in our lives. Boy, thank you for reminding us that there is hope, Nicholas. There, there really is, and reminding us about those protective factors of being someone supportive and positive in someone's life. You can have a, really have a tremendous impact. 
Nicholas Turton from The Trevor Project joins us this morning. It's okay to not be okay. We all know that the power of talk can save lives, and that's why we're here. Odyssey's on listening, working to share resources for those who need to connect and heal and to share their own stories. You can find out more. Just search for I'm Listening on the Odyssey app. This is Odyssey's I'm Listening. Hey there, furniture shoppers. It's me, Tammy, at Preston Trading Post. I'm thrilled to introduce you to Mayo, our new line of upholstered furniture from Texarkana, Texas. With hundreds of designer fabrics to choose from, Mayo ensures your living room reflects your unique taste. Mayo uses all American-made components, their own cushion cores that are so comfortable you won't believe the way they sit. Come over to Preston Trading Post and experience the ultimate in comfort and style. Ask for me, Tammy, the nice one. Boom, 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 boom. Nissan has a car for every driver who wants more. More action. More fun. More guts. More head turns. More adventure. More electric. At Nissan, more is all we do. There's nothing better than fall golf in New England, and with your WEEI VIP golf card, you can play six great courses for just 65 bucks. The WEEI VIP golf card presented by Mayomi. Get yours today at WEEIGolfCard.com. Do you have three ex-wives and your current trophy wife wants a life insurance policy three times the size of the policies you had to purchase for your previous mistakes? If so, you need to call Big Lou at Term Provider, 800-777-1225. Big Lou is intimately familiar with your problems, and if you're 50 or 60 years old and in reasonably good health, a $1 million policy should only cost about $100 to $200 per month. Big Lou may have a solution for your previous policies as well. You may even save enough money to lighten the load on your new $1 million policy. Remember, call Big Lou. He's like you, except he's only on number two. Call Term Provider at 800-777-1225. That's 800-777-1225. For a million dollars in term life insurance that you can live with, call Big Lou at 800-777-1225. 800-777-1225. There's lots to love from Apple right now at Verizon. Get the new iPhone 15 Pro with titanium and more to love from Apple on us. With select phone trade-in and select unlimited plans, there's no better place to get what you love from Apple than at Verizon. And there's no better time than right now. All that with the network you can really rely on. It's your Verizon. $999.99 device payment or full retail purchase with new smartphone line on select 5G unlimited plans required. Less up to $1,000 trade-in slash promo credit applied over 36 months. Promo credit ends if eligibility requirements are no longer met. 0% APR. Trade-in conditions apply. One offer per eligible Verizon line. Additional terms apply. Join Stand Up to Cancer and Jazz Pharmaceuticals to raise awareness of small cell lung cancer and accelerate the pace of research. Ask your healthcare provider about screening options that might be right for you or a loved one. Visit standuptocancer.org slash lung to learn more. This is Odyssey's I'm Listening. Talk really does have the power to save lives. And I'm Listening is our commitment to inspire more talk about mental health and about suicide prevention and about taking care of our mental health the way we take care of our physical health. I'm Odyssey's David O'Leary. I'm joined by Dr. Christine Moutier, who is the Chief Medical Officer for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. She also happens to be a leader in the field of suicide prevention 
as well as someone who can speak firsthand about the devastation that comes from losing someone to suicide. She also speaks with a little bit of authority on suicide risk and prevention and how suicide affects not just individuals, but communities and and, and families and uh, faith groups and colleagues and and so many other communities. Uh, Dr. Moutier, it's great to see you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much, David. I certainly consider you a friend um, and an amazing friend in the fight against suicide. And it's just a pleasure to be here with you. It is Pride Month. And why is suicide, as well as depression and other mental health issues, a particular concern for those who are in the LBGTQ community? The first thing I want to say about that is with regard to any population, including the LGBTQ community, it's not one's identity itself that makes you suffer or puts you at risk. It's the experience that one has based on their identity um, in the society and in the world and the culture that we live in. And I also think about the fact that LGBTQ people have been marginalized, discriminated against for millennia. And so even though things are changing, some in the right direction um, in terms of an understanding of identity as as such, not not about choice, not about, um, you know, all the all the kind of myths of preference and whatnot. Sure. Right. So. I think about that, that that historical backdrop, because if a if a young person is coming to realize or getting in touch with their own sense of queer identity, depending on the family they live with, the home environment, the larger community, maybe the faith community, all those things can influence what they even find acceptable to think about themselves. So the process of coming out, transitioning, um, let alone the actual, you know, conversations and changes medically or socially that that can occur. All of that presents challenges for individuals who who have, like all human beings, have their own backstory in terms of potential genetic loading, family history of depression, anxiety, trauma. You know, all of those things that we know are general risk factors for suicide can be sort of loaded into the background for anyone who goes through anything, mm-hmm. including for queer people who are who are experiencing, you know, coming to terms with their own identity and then coming out and then the experiences they have in the world around them. I, I think that is a huge point. I want to make sure I understand it. So I'm going to restate it. And you, you can keep me honest. It's not because they're in the LBGTQ community that they may be at elevated risk for suicide. It is because of what they have to go through by being members of this community. Yeah. Circumstantially, that, that may place them at higher risk. That's right. And, yeah. and, I, and I think that is true for, you know, if you look at any group with elevated suicide rates of either, you know, suicidal ideation attempts or um, tragically, in some cases, death by suicide, those people groups who have those higher risks, these include some racial ethnic background, American Indian, Alaskan Native, and, and actually, interestingly, middle-aged white males are also among um, a higher risk category of of, uh, folks. So there are all sorts of different reasons that relate to those those discriminatory experiences, but also when there's a culture that puts shame around help-seeking and specifically mental health treatment, those are additional risk factors that can come to bear. 
You know, it seems a little ironic and a little sad that at a time when it appears that we're learning more and more about causes and prevention of suicide and just mental health in general, it's, it's troubling to see what appears to be targeting of specific populations that it would appear seem to be making the problem worse for those populations. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I know it's a complicated world right now in terms of beliefs and but I, I would just make a make a pitch or a plea to to all of your listeners to put you know any um, larger agendas aside and just think about the people in our own lives, your family members, your friends, your coworkers. Everyone faces challenges. Everyone has mental health to address and to manage. Some some of us also have mental health conditions, which are an additional. I, I view it as a sort of a responsibility, but one that can be done, just like a physical health condition is something to take care of. And so, you know, to try to just get down to the real basics of these are people we care about, we love, who are in our lives, and, um, and some of them, maybe even unbeknownst to us, may be struggling with issues of either mental health or trying to figure out their own identity from an LGBTQ standpoint. So just having that awareness that our behavior makes a big difference for the people around us, mm. giving them permission and inviting, in fact, encouraging them to speak about their internal experiences can be incredibly helpful. You know, there's this, there's this group called the Family Acceptance Project led by Dr. Caitlin Ryan that studied behaviors in the home that led to very different outcomes for LGBTQ youth, mm -hmm. um, you know, so for their children or for their siblings. And they broke it down to very concrete, specific behaviors that were ultimately behaviors that either affirmed the person as a human being and as a queer um, individual, or that um, showed disrespect. And so there were like literally a hundred behaviors that they studied and night and day different outcomes in terms of um, even things like becoming homeless, um, risk of HIV AIDS, mm -hmm. but uh, legal issues, academic problems, but also risk of suicidal behavior, night and day difference based on those concrete behaviors happening in the home. And I bet some of those behaviors are very subtle and very nuanced. It's like the language that we use and what we would consider little things that are very impactful to your yes. point. Yes, yes. I think making an effort and using someone's identified pronouns, there's research actually that some of which AFSP funded mm -hmm. that shows that using Correct pronouns for an individual actually reduces their odds of having suicidal thoughts. And so, again, these are complicated matters. But if, again, putting yourself in the shoes of someone who, on a larger scale, on a macro level in society, if you think about my identity may put me at risk for, you know, violence discrimination, problems getting any number of things, employment, housing, relationship stress. But now in my own home environment, I have a parent or a sibling who is using my pronouns, introducing me to mentors in the queer community, requiring other family members to treat me with compassion, love, and respect. Mm. 
you know, those are protective experiences uh, for a young person. Yeah, those protection factors. I mean, we've talked about them in terms of suicide prevention. They're protective factors for your health. You get a good night's sleep. You exercise a little bit. You're going to lower your risk for, yes. you name it, whatever the, the the physical health issue. And these are emotional uh, health issues and mental health um, uh, protective factors. I guess I would imagine that when you are, uh, when you hear this kind of language in the home, it affirms that you're in a safe place and 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 you're in a in a in a good place. It's it's prote- it's a protective factor. Yes, yes. And I think intersecting with wherever the person is in their own journey, which, you know, for young people may be intersecting them at some particularly vulnerable times because the job, the psychological milestone, the job of a teenager is essentially to establish their own autonomy, you know, and so it's a complicated time anyway, let alone if there is our, you know, our opinions and differences about who that person in fact is becoming and who they are. I I want to ask you how to, how to reach out to someone if you're concerned, there's a way to reach out. Absolutely. And it's really to set up a private time so that there's a, a space where they can optimally feel able to talk about potentially very private things that they're going through. You know, I think realizing that people are experiencing challenges at different times, they won't necessarily tell you that that's what's going on in their life, right? Depending on your relationship with them. So you have to use the little clues that kind of make your instincts say, gosh, they don't seem like themselves. What what might be going on with them? So the first thing is just really trusting your gut instinct. Don't write it off that it's somebody else's job. I'm not trained as a mental health professional. You know, we use all kinds of excuses. I don't want to offend them. So what this approach looks like is really just establishing a safe, caring, supportive conversation. And so don't hesitate to use those words because if someone is struggling, remember the automatic instinct that we have as human beings, and I think this is actually a very primitive kind of primal instinct, is when we feel vulnerable, we withdraw and we put the boundaries up and we feel vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And as human beings, we have that big frontal lobe that gives us a big experience of shame, vulnerability, fear. And so as the supportive person, you need to actually say it. I'm here having this conversation with you because simply because I care and I want to support you. And it's a judgment-free zone because I've been through stuff too. And it feels so counterintuitive because we're we all want to get into the fix it mode. It's just, you know, those of us who most of us are problem solvers. But the job, the task is really different here. It's simply showing that you care, that you're able to hear it and listen and not run away and not judge and not minimize it, but just simply, you know, it's it's those active listening skills that most of us are so bad at that just really <laughs> hears what they're saying, even reflects back, is this what I hear you saying? I want to be here for you. Tell me more about that. You know, those kind of phrases. Now, if the person is sounding hopeless, like they feel trapped in their circumstances or like they feel like they're a burden to others, those are indicators to me that they could be having thoughts of suicide. And so in those instances, I will ask, I will say exactly what the words they said. When you say this X, Y, and Z, when you say that, it makes me wonder if you're having thoughts of ending your life. 
and and you have to zip it because oftentimes our own nerves are going in these conversations and just listen. Mm -hmm. And again, if you're not sure what to do, you can always call 988 for some guidance, but the odds that they are imminently, immediately at risk for suicide are actually very low because now they're talking about it. Opening up actually feels like a relief to people who Mm. are experiencing suicidal thoughts. And I think, you know, again, offering to um, to help them find some professional help, I think would be a, an important step to take if a person is having suicidal thoughts. I'm so glad you mentioned 988. And if you are struggling or if you love someone who you're, you're concerned may be struggling, that is the number to call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There is care on the other end of that line. 988 is the number. In the, in the short time we have left, I, I, I want to sort of look for hope and optimism here. And it does seem, you know, we're, we're talking about suicide and mental health in a way that we weren't even five, 10 years ago. And, and we're talking about the LBGTQ community in a way that we weren't a couple of years ago, notwithstanding that there's targeted legislation and, 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 and other issues that are, that are challenging for those in that community. But do you, do you see signs of, of hope? I certainly do. And I think, you know, to be in the field of suicide prevention, I probably have to be a little wired with some optimism, but it's Mm -hmm. also based on science and data that we see dialogue happening like never before. We see people reaching out for mental health support and treatment like never before. And, you know, I look at uh, the younger generation, particularly in the LGBTQ community, there is advocacy and sense of community together and with allies that is very strong now. These are more common and prevalent experiences of identifying with an LGBTQ um, type of identity. So in that generation, I do think as they grow up, um, there's going to be greater and greater understanding that these are normal parts of being human and um, mm-hmm. Hopefully some of the stigma will, will continue to diminish. Dr. Christine Moutier is the Chief Medical Officer for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. It is always wonderful chatting with you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, David. Take care. And this is I'm Listening from Odyssey. To share your story or to find others, search for I'm Listening on the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.